You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. This is a little different today, isn't it? Uh, I hope it's beneficial to us. We, the four of us, went uh, to Minneapolis earlier earlier in this week, uh, Monday morning, in fact, to head up to a conference uh, in Minneapolis, put on by Bethlehem College and Seminary up there. Some of those, some of you looking for colleges, place to go. Let me just plug that. A uh, good place. But the conference was on uh, the Holy Spirit. We spent Monday. Monday night, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday till about noon, just thinking about the Holy Spirit of God. And the the byline for the conference was the Christ-exalting work of the Holy Spirit. And so rather than just kind of coming back, I think it's good and and helpful for us as we think. I think it would be challenging for me to get back, prepare a sermon right away before we come. But I think it will be beneficial to just hear, we want to just share with you, here's what we learned. You know, sometimes you come back from a trip and say, hey, we heard this or this sort of thing. And so I've asked uh, the guys and myself included just to kind of think through something we've, we've learned or something to take away. And we also want to uh, ground this in the Word of God. So if you do have your Bibles, we are going to be looking there. So as they mention maybe a passage or I do, I want you to be in Scripture. So we want to hear the Word of God this morning as we go through that. Um, but like I said, we went up to this Monday morning. If you remember Monday morning, uh, that was not a great day to drive. So uh, I'm thankful I wasn't driving, but Dave was. <laughs> so that was helpful. Um, we, skated. we skated up there. That's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we were all maybe a little more quiet just because we were watching <laughs> the road or what, or praying, whatever. But the Spirit led us and guided us, and we're thankful for it. Safe trip. I have a couple pictures just from our time up there. Uh, we can go to the next one here. And this is us uh, sitting at the uh, table at a diner up there for supper. Now, you notice we gained one uh, elder. No, we didn't. Uh, the guy with the, the bigger goatee than mine is Tom Walters. He was a friend from seminary that came from Colorado. And Tom just kind of joined in right with our group. And so that was fun to be there and catch up. He's a pastor in Colorado right now. It's so good to spend the time with him, but, but we're eating. We can go to the next one here. I got a few other, I don't have many, you know, it's, it's not an endless slideshow, but this is kind of what it looked like there at the conference. Just, we were at this point, we we're kind of back on some, uh, higher up just to look out and, uh, how neat and, and in fun. A lot, there were women involved too at this conference, uh, a lot of guys though as well. And so just a neat time of singing and worship uh, to hear everybody uh, singing, and, and um, so that was great. So they would lead in, in worship during these times uh, before some of the conference. We can go to the next one here. just gives you an idea. There's, there's Kevin DeYoung preaching. Uh, maybe one of us will talk about him. He actually married Brandon. That was cool. So Brandon and Carrie. Carrie yeah, he didn't marry you. <laughs> All right. Let's be technical about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He was involved in the ceremony for Brandon and Carrie. Yeah, but uh, you can get to ask him. We didn't get to ask him whether he remembered that. But anyway, we can go to the next one there. Uh, I think I got some row shots to show we were somewhat paying attention. This no speaker right now, but there's Dave is out of the out of any. He's paying attention. He's focused. The uh, only one. The only one there. The other two are looking. Uh, yeah, 
you can go to the next one here. There's Emilt and myself, and uh, that's Wayne behind us. Uh, <laughs> he didn't intend to photobomb this poor guy. And I took it and uh, was looking at it with Milt, kind of just joking, hey, look at this guy. And he knew I was looking. He said, hey, take my picture. Well, we turned around and we got to know Wayne. So that's, that's our friend Wayne. I have no idea where he lives or anything about him, but that's Wayne. He smiles. That was just a bad shot. He didn't like that at all. But uh, anyway, we had fun. I think that's it. Is there another one? Yeah, then we're back there. So anyway, uh, it was a great time. But there were uh, Monday, uh, we saw Paul Tripp, and they would have some different seminars that you could go to, some kind of breakout sessions you could go to where there's smaller groups, and then some really main sessions in that auditorium that you saw there. Um, Really, for our time, though, we're just going to, I desire that we just kind of have a time of just sharing, and uh, maybe as one's sharing, someone else thinks of something, but just a couple things that we'll share. Um, I'm going to start us just by, I want to do, want to read God's Word to us, so why don't you turn first just to John 14, verse 15 through 27, just as we're thinking, and, and so maybe you're hearing as we're praying and we're thinking, we're fresh from this conference, thinking about the Holy Spirit that's been given to us believers. Uh, we have great things, and I'll share about that maybe at the end here. But hear this passage from Jesus just to help us think and get the mindset of you know this whole conference, the Christ-exalting work of the Holy Spirit, gospel power. Uh, coming from John 14, I'll read 15 through 27. It says, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you in me. And I in you. These are powerful truths here applied by the Spirit to our hearts, Christ in us. Verse 21 Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither. Uh, I'm sorry. Let not your hearts be troubled neither. Let them be afraid. Let me just pray again for our time together. Lord, we're so thankful for this helper that you have given. And I just pray again as we share and Remember what we have learned this week, that it would be an encouragement to the body gathered this morning, that it's not just a share of fun things or selfies or those sorts of things, Lord, but to share gospel truth, 
truth of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So thank you, Lord. Draw, the, draw out truths, Lord, and help us to apply and learn and be challenged in our faith and grow in our confidence in the great God in whom we serve. So we pray for our time again, committing it to you and your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I've already shared for a little bit. Uh, guys, one of you want to share thoughts on this week? Well, I was going to say I'm next. <laughs> I'm the elder statesman. Well, I just thought uh, uh, a good way to get this started would be um, when we first got up there, of course, we registered and stuff, and then we went to see uh, Paul Tripp. And if any of you guys... Uh, know me. Um, I do enjoy Paul Tripp's ministry. His ministry is about um, applying Scripture, God's Word, to our everyday living. And his talk was um, about uh, our awe of God. And he said everything that we do and everything that we say and everything that we are is a reflection of our awe of God. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 145. Um, listening to God's Word or, or reading God's Word is a lot better than listening to any one of us talk. Sorry, Mike. So I'll just, uh, I'll just go ahead and read for us Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Our generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. And the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his words and kind to all his works. The Lord upholds all who are, are, are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is, is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So, 
I can't add much to that. So, one of the things that um, Paul Tripp mentioned in, in what David Dave is sharing from, he said that um, uh, there's a direct connection with seeing uh, and understanding the 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 holiness of God and being in awe of that, and and seeing our the ugliness of our sin, uh, that that perfect holiness uh, exposes unholiness. And he said one of the, this was, to me was very powerful, that disobedience starts with an awe problem before it's a law problem. That it's, it's not about disobeying the law, but it's about not being in awe of God. Well, I'll kind of piggyback on that one. We'll, we'll switch uh, speakers here. I, I wasn't sure how long it would take me to get to Kevin, but we'll get to Kevin right away. Uh, and one of the things that he was talking about when it came to the um, the holiness was, you know, sometimes we have a hard time desiring holiness because we don't think it's attainable. Um, and he gave the example, Mike and I were both kind of talking about this when we were sitting by each other and going, oh, man, that hurts. Um but it's not, you know, we can take kind of two extremes. We can say we're going to be, uh, our good works is what saves us, so we're striving for good works. Or we take it as everything we do is filthy rags. No matter how good it is that we are, it's filthy rags. And Kevin was saying there's a third bucket there that we're kind of forgetting about in that um, it's not so much the end result being perfect, but it's our obedience being perfect when the Lord calls us to do something, we just follow. And the illustration that he gave us uh, had to do as parents when we told our kids, you know, go clean your room. And out of the loving obedience, the desire to, um, you know, follow their, their parents, they run up and they start working on it hard right away for 20 minutes. We go up and we check on them after that time and we get up there and we see yeah, they've been working hard, but the corners of the bed aren't tucked in real tight. The clothes are folded, but eh, if we had done that, we could have done a better job with it. And just, you know, maybe not meeting our expectations. And he said, what parent that loves their kids would say, this is horrible. What have you been doing these 20 minutes? And Mike and I both kind of looked at each other and we go, oh, crap. <laughs> Then they're done that. But Kevin's point was, you know, the Lord looks at that and he goes, I love your obedience. You have been following us. You know, you've been following my my direction as best as you could. The The obedience is perfect, but the end result may be not as, you know, we're, we're not going to hit perfect holiness, but we are striving to to be holy by following the words that he has given us. Um, so that was one of the, the big things from just kind of the, the holiness and the awe um, that it's interesting how everybody kind of built upon one another too, the speakers there. I'll just uh, share one that I don't, uh, maybe some of us were in. There was a guy named David Powelson that shared Monday afternoon. They had some breakout workshops and that sort of thing. And, um, his title of his little seminar was Depression and Anxiety, and the room was full. <laughs> it was packed, you know, and I, I think that 
affects every one of us. And uh, he just had some really um, neat things to share. I'll just share a few of them. But um, if you want to look at Philippians 4, 6, is kind of where he, he based this off of. There's just a subtle part of this verse that he pointed out, and I thought it's so uh, helpful in terms of anxiety and anxious things. I mean, one thing, he just defined anxiety. What is it? And uh, he defined it as my performance in someone else's eyes. You know, my, my anxiousness is I'm evaluating my performance in, front of, in someone else's eyes. And... Um, he talked about, he said, one of the most frequent commands of Scripture is along those lines of don't be afraid, do not fear, I'm with you. We've talked some about that in past sermons here, that God is, is with us. And he talked about these frequent commands of Scripture. But he's, he pointed out that this commandment, this to not fear or to not be anxious or to not worry, is a commandment that's linked to a promise. And so I just want to show this one, just Philippians 4, 3. There's a command. It's a to-do. We need to do this. So Philippians 4.6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. So there's something to do. And we know we're in Christ, so, so we're in Christ. So, so believer, don't be anxious. But right before that, you see um, the promise. You know what your version says? The ESV says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. There's these promises uh, connected with the command. And what a neat, neat way to think of that. So when God commands, and, and we saw this, didn't we, in Joshua and, and uh, in Matthew, God says to Joshua, you know, fear not, don't be discouraged, don't be terrified, you know, for I'm with you. So don't be afraid. Why? There's a promise attached to the, to the commandment. And uh, I just encourage you to look at those, look, look at those as you read through Scripture, but um, to be comforted by that. He's got some steps. I won't get into all those, but... Uh, it was just a, a good sharing on that and to try to nail down really what what is it you're anxious about. Be specific. What is it? Is it five? Is it just ten things or is it actually just one thing? And and deal with what you can deal with. But if it's not on, I think it, these were his words, if it's not on your to-do list, it means you don't have any control of it. You need to let that go. Don't be anxious. The Lord is at hand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on that um, because I went to a, a breakout session also um, called Spirit-Powered uh, Perseverance, as uh, led by Sean Cordell. Um, and one of the things that, that he referenced was very similar to what you're saying about being anxious and being, uh, being weighed down by uh, other people's uh, judgment of your ministry or opinions of your ministry or comments regarding your ministry. And he said, uh, all these things are threats to our perseverance. But he challenges us not to look at our circumstances. Don't, don't look at what appears to be happening around us or what, what appears to be the lack of, of God answering our prayers. But he says, look to the cross because God put his son on the cross for you. If that doesn't speak loud enough, and he, he referenced um, Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1, uh, and, and verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, if you want to turn there, you, you may. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he just, he just said, when we consider the, the, great, the great work, the great sacrificial work of Christ being on the cross, taking our punishment, um, that keeps us going. That, we, we don't have to question, you know, is God with me in this? Does God, does God love me? Does he care about what I'm going through right now? When we consider the cross and our light and momentary troubles, uh, it, we should be encouraged. One other thing uh, that this speaker, Sean Cordell, also uh, shared kind of on the heels of that um, was because, you know, like guys like Pastor Mike, full-time pastors where this is what they, this is what they do, you know, seven days a week, um, they tend to over set, set expectations of themselves or maybe they feel these expectations are uh, they're, 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 they're receiving these expectations from other people about what a pastor should do, what, you know, what, how many things he should be involved in, and all of these expectations. And he just he said, remember that we're not guilty because we have limits. That's, that's not, we don't have to, conf- we don't have to confess uh, or, or ask for forgiveness because we're limited. We're finite. God, God knows that. He, he remembers, one of my favorite verses of encouragement is that he remembers our frame, that we're but dust, that he formed us out of the dust and, and gave us life. But he says, we do need to repent. We do need to repent from trying to act like we don't have limits, like we're, like we're self-sufficient, like we're uh, you know, infinite in, in our abilities or, or our understanding or our knowledge or our power. So that... Uh, that, that that's a good perspective to keep in mind is that when we're, you know, whether it's Sunday school teachers or, or nursery workers or, or just be, you know, just our everyday, you know, family responsibilities, a husband, wife, father, mother, all these expectations are on us. And just remember that we're not expected to be able to do everything without limits, but we are expected to, re- to remember that we're limited and to call on the one uh, who provides strength and, and grace. And that was just part of it, wasn't it? Dependence on the Spirit. You know, you come away thinking, just trusting Him for any sermon, for whatever ministry, your home, all those sorts of things. It's just that dependence leaning on the Lord. So the theme of the conference, of course, as you've, as you've been told, is, is was the Holy Spirit. I'd, I'd like you all to turn to Galatians 5. 16 through 25. Um, I can't remember who referenced this this uh, scripture in there uh, when we were up there, but it's no matter. Galatians 5:16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not greatly desire, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So... One of the speakers was uh, Sam Storms, and, and, and his message was talking about uh, quenching the Holy Spirit. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? He gave a dozen different ways of quenching the Holy Spirit, but I'm, I, I just want to just maybe highlight about three of them. One of them is, t- for us, uh, we quench the Holy Spirit by relying on any other resource other than the Spirit to accomplish anything in our life. So are we um, relying on uh, advice of a friend or whatever? Not that that's bad, not that the Lord can't use that, but do we pray about uh, decisions that we need to make and so forth? Another way is suppress his work in ministering to the church. So... It kind of goes along with maybe the the, the next one is, is uh, we can structure our services in a way as to not allow the work of the Holy Spirit. So if I feel, uh, just as an example, one of the last things that took place at the conference was the five main uh, speakers, John Piper, uh, Sam Storms, Francis Chan, Jason Meyer, Miguel, uh, did a there was like a question and answer panel, and Francis Chan felt prompted to pray for Miguel because he's having back problems right now. So, as not to suppress the work of the Holy Spirit, the guys got up and they laid hands on Miguel right there and then and prayed for him, and then continued on with the with the question and answer time. So. I'm just wondering how much, how how many times we in our services um, just suppress the Holy Spirit by moving on to the next song or um, not wanting to disrupt the message or whatever. Um, that those kind of things just kind of spoke to me a little bit as being, you know, part of the worship team. Um, do we suppress the Holy Spirit by, you know, the way we, you know, want to move on with a song or whatever the case may be? I think you guys know what I'm talking about. So that's just one one of the things that kind of 
spoke to me at the conference as well. I think in that in that uh, message, Sam had said one of his one of the last points of, of ways that we can suppress the spirit, and uh, and just what you were saying in the structure of the of the um, uh, our gatherings, he said traditionalism things that well this is how we've always done it. He said don't let your grooves kind of the the, the normal routine don't let your grooves become graves uh, and and just be stuck in a in a in a system. I'm sorry. I'm just going to continue on that. Sam also mentioned it. It's kind of a thing that, you know, we all know these things, but sometimes you need to be reminded. Um, You know, we might be depressed or might have problems in our lives or whatever. And I I think about, I'm just going to, sorry, point out Diane and her testimony last week at um, at the baptism where she she talked about how um, there was a point in her life where she just didn't think that um, she was worthy of being saved, that that she was like too far gone. God couldn't help her. Well, Sam reminded us that night when we prayed after his talk is that, you know, God can do anything. You're talking about the guy with Genesis 1 on your on his resume. He created all of this. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. Sorry, Brad. No, that's all right. Perfect. You can tell we haven't practiced this <laughs> as we just kind of jump over one another here. Um, <clears throat> no, thinking back to John, that Mike read right away, you know, we've been given the Spirit as a helper. And then also Sam's message about, you know, trying to suppress the spirit, if you will. Jason Meyer also talked a little bit about that uh, the following morning. And he just gave the example, uh, you know, we need to be sensitive to the prompting of the spirit whenever that happens to come and not ignore it. And he was sharing before he got into the ministry, he worked at UPS uh, second shift, you know, 10 o'clock until 3 in the morning or so. And usually it wasn't a problem for him driving home, but one particular morning he just could not stay awake. He was doing anything and everything he could think of, you know, blasting the radio, opening the window, slapping himself on the face as hard as he could, uh, but the eyes just wouldn't stay up for him. And it was around 4.30 at that point on his way home as usual. Well, he said next thing he knows, he's waking up in his driveway, still in his car, and stumbled his way into the house. And usually his wife was sleeping at that point, would kind of mumble the hay or, you know, whatever, before rolling back over to go to sleep. That morning she was sitting straight up in bed and goes, so how was the drive home? He's going, this is really odd. What's going on? He said, well, honestly, I don't know how I made it here. She said, well, I was prompted at 4.30. I just woke up feeling like I needed to pray. And she knew that he was driving home at that point, so she just started praying for him. And, you know, because of that prayer, he said he was still alive that day. Um, so point of it just being no matter where, no matter what, when you feel prompted and led by the Spirit, our helper, to follow through on that prompt, no matter if we understand why or, or what it is that we're being prompted to do, just to, to have faith and, and follow through on that. 
I think it was in some theology, there was a theology refresh panel just to think about that as we think about being prompted by the Spirit. You can think, well, how do I know? You know, what's, what, what's the Spirit and what's this or what's maybe true guilt that I need to repent of or, or just that, um, you know, this is of Satan. I, and so it's kind of similar, but uh, I remember one of the speakers just talked about his answer was, you know, how, well, how do you know if this is of the Lord or, you know, if this is of the Spirit? And he said, watch the trajectory of it. That was, I guess, his language was, where does it take you? Does this take you to yourself or to despair? Then it's not of the Lord. But if it takes you to Christ and to the cross, as we're talking about, um, then a prompting of the Lord. So, yeah, um, it's kind of similar, maybe a little different, but just kind of, you know, how do, is it just because of, you know, what I ate that night? Is that the Holy Spirit that we can ask those things? But it's, um, I just think the Spirit's obviously doing much more than we all no, <laughs> right now in this room, he's alive and active and working. He is not it. He is alive. And um, just to be in tune to that, to say, man, I see this or, you know, I always think I keep seeing this person in this store. I think there's a reason you see that person It's to pray for them, uh, that God will work in their hearts. So, yeah. Well, and I'll confess, I missed the Sam Strom um, session that night. I had the opportunity to um, connect with one of my friends from college, and we got talking. I, I had every intention to be back in time, but conversation just kept going and going. And uh, one of the things we talked about, his daughter, when she was one year old, was diagnosed with cancer uh, on her chest that uh, attached to the spine a little bit. Now, um, praise the Lord, she's 10 and the cancer has been in remission for the last eight years or so. Um, but he said, you know, through this difficulty, um, the Lord is even working in that because it's given him a better appreciation and a better ministry for those that are going through the same thing. He's um, at his work. There's a co-worker of his that had um, a husband dealing with cancer as well. And they share a boss, and she would share with the boss, you know, this is what's going on. And the boss was obviously supportive and, and wanting to be understanding, but just had never gone through that. Um, so just couldn't relate as well. But with my friend, they were able to talk and share those same types of, um, you know, just understanding what they're going through. And she was just so appreciative. Thank you that... I'm able to share this with you because you've been there. And just thinking about, you know, we've talked a lot of the sovereignty of God over the last few months and just, you know, why would he allow something bad to happen? Or why am I having to deal with this certain, you know, what I wouldn't choose to have to go through? And he, again, we can see his working through those bad to be able to help somebody else or to be able to empathize with somebody else or be able to, you know, just have a better understanding of, of what somebody else is going through. So, um, yeah, again, it just we see how he works all things to his glory is kind of the takeaway I got from that impromptu conversation of not being at that particular um, session. Uh, the other, I, I didn't make it back in time for the last 10 minutes, and standing in the back when Sam had said, you know, everybody just take a chance to pray, the gentleman I was standing next to, his prayer request was, I have a one-year-old daughter that is dealing with eye cancer right now. 
Um, so just being able to, to pray for him, it just, it, it hit me that I just talked with my buddy that had the daughter with cancer. And now I'm talking with another gentleman that's has a one-year-old dealing with cancer as well. And just the ability to pray for that, for him. I'm going to, I wasn't going to, but with ending on that note about things that we go through in life. Um, uh, John Piper shared um, from 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning in verse 12 through 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And he had, he had asked a question early, um, and I'm sorry, I kind of flipped past those notes here, but um, is persecution and cancer comparable um, in, our, in our sufferings? And the point he made was, if I understood him correctly, was yes, it is. Um, and he just he brought out from verse verse fourteen um, because of the because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you in these situations he says it's not going to feel like glory but this verse it doesn't make this verse untrue but it's not going to feel like glory when you're going through cancer or your child has cancer or you're being you know imprisoned or tortured. Um, because of your faith. It's not going to feel like glory, but the spirit of glory and, uh, and power and of, of God will be on you. And uh, he, he said that in this, the spirit of truth will bring to mind what is true. God, it, and, and, and so you're going to go through situations where this doesn't look good, but we can remember that God is good and every perfect good and perfect gift comes from the Father. We can remember those truths and that the Spirit will, re, will remind us of these truths and help us to persevere through uh, these situations that don't feel like glory. I have in my notes, he said, yeah, the Spirit causes us to feel the glory we are losing isn't worth keeping and shows us that the glory you gain is infinitely better. So the glory we're losing, our life, it's not worth keeping. It's infinitely better. God's glory, God's who God is. Yeah. Uh, we're about out of time. Anything else you guys burden to share? Don't want to quench the spirit. So... I'll share one more. Why not? Good. We'll, we'll Good. finish it. Do it. So, um, obviously, the stories and the illustrations, I, I'm referring back to those a lot because they just stick with you. Um, Francis Chan was talking um, Tuesday morning about just the, 
the temple of the Lord. In the Old Testament, you had the building itself. And then New Testament, with the Spirit indwelling in us, all believers are the temple of God. And uh, he was talking about uh, in James 4, or James 3, I'm sorry, uh, the tongue and just how destructive we can be with that. And he said, you know, you would never take a sledgehammer to the temple of the Lord. You know, even Bethany, the church here, we would never bring a sledgehammer to this and just start wailing away on it. Why as believers will we use our tongue as a sledgehammer with other believers and tearing them down? So um, the point of that one is just, you know, being very careful and sensitive with the way we interact with one another and the, the power that our words have. Um, I had intended to bring a sledgehammer with me this morning um, just to kind of set it up here. Um, but obviously the morning got away from me with that one, and that's still sitting in the garage. So um, we'll, we'll just make sure the tongue doesn't become a sledgehammer here. You want to read First Corinthians 3.16? Yes, go for it. Well, First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. On that note, um, we'll wrap it up here. I have on my whiteboard in my office, I think thinking through some of these things, I think I wrote down there just kind of maybe to sum up the the conference is we have more. We have more. Our, our God, however great you think he is, he's way greater than that. I just come away. Uh, the Bible you have in front of you, we say it's good to read. It's Yeah, you want to be in your word. It's better than you think it is. You will learn more. The Holy Spirit will do more. The Holy Spirit who lives in you with Christ is more. The power to defeat sin is more. Do you hear the, the theme? It's, do we just have so much more? And sometimes I myself, I just live like I got a little bit of the Spirit and I got to make up the rest with myself. We have the Spirit of God. If that verse is true, and it is, the temple, God is living in us, which we can understand. That's what the Bible says. It's holy. You're that temple. God's Spirit dwells in you. Listen to His Spirit. Be prompted. Be guided in a conversation. When you hear that tongue going somewhere and it's grabbing the sledgehammer in the garage, be guided by His Spirit. Listen closely. And, and really in all that, you know, as we think about promptings, the Spirit guides the Word. It's the Word that we have. And we have God's Word uh, before us. And so we want to live by that in the Spirit.